Hello everyone, welcome back to the Green and Milner Show podcast introduction to a fantastic episode, Sam. Um, oh yeah. Newcastle United is our passion, everybody knows that. But what a lot of people probably don't know is that we do a lot of work with Newcastle United Foundation and the head of the Newcastle United Foundation, Steve Harrell, is a man with great experience in regards to everything that's going on with regards to the Newcastle United Foundation. And we've got him on the podcast today. And it was very, very interesting what his goals are, literally, for Newcastle United Foundation in the next, say, 12 to 18 months. But more importantly is what the ultimate goal is for Newcastle United Foundation. And he elaborates that perfectly with some fantastic um, stories about some certain individuals. Yeah, um, and it feels like we've barely scratched the surface. I thought I was really clued up on the foundation, but I'm not. Um, check out their website, um, NU Foundation. Um, it's unbelievable the work they do and the scale of what they do and everything of what they do. Um, and to have Steve on, it was absolutely um, enlightening, inspiring. Um, he was really, really um, open and good value, I thought. He even spoke about his brother, his, his brother's Dave Harrell, who made a few appearances for Newcastle in the late 90s. Um, big game change, obviously, a huge mental health campaign. Um, links in the description um, for numbers you can call um, if, you're, if you're in need of support. Um, yeah, really really enjoyable and the time just flew by i think i know we've said this a couple of times because we've had some great guests on the show but um that was a really inspiring 45 minutes i thought it really was and you mentioned the beer game changer campaign something that we at newcastle fans tv are very passionate about and obviously campaign for beer game changer to basically help anybody it can be me, it could be Sam, it could be the man off the street, it could be the woman in the supermarket, it can be absolutely anybody. If you want to be involved in Be A Game Changer, like Sam says, the links will be in the description. Um, the redevelopment idea, though, Sam, is something that I'm very excited about. Mm. I think Steve's excitement about what could happen looks, well, you, you can sense it in, in this, uh, the noise of his voice almost with how Newcastle can become a lot better as in the city itself because they're trying to help everything. You know, yes, it might be a five-a-side game with your mates on the top of the pitch, but there's also maybe educational stuff that we probably didn't even know that yeah. could help a lot of people. Yeah, this is it. I mean, I don't want to give too much away because um, you've got to listen to the podcast. But, um, yeah, it, it's a really exciting time. Um, for a number of reasons within the foundation and um, there's going to be a new building near the cathedral on the hill that's um, going to be pretty special and, and it's really exciting and it just does go to show um, although the foundation and the club are officially separate but obviously they're, they're, they're intertwined in a, under the Newcastle banner it just goes to show for all their flaws of which there are many in Newcastle United as we all know there's some absolutely fucking brilliant people working there, isn't there? I mean, there's just some fantastic... Down to the guys at the foundation, we've had the like of Ollie and Thomas and from there on the channel before, um, Josh Banyard, who's, who's a real um, campaigner for them. He's been on the channel many a time and goes around the other ones as well. 
Um, there's some real brilliant people working at the club and um, they need to be celebrated because as fans, we don't always hear the good stuff that people are doing. Of course, and that's the big thing with Newcastle United Foundation, helping people to improve themselves, to be to better themselves. And I think that was the message that came out loud and clear. Steve also mentions the women's team. And of course, again, we've had Becky Langley on before, Sam. So, of course, the, Becky will be listening about <laughs> what Steve might have said about her and obviously the women's team going forward. But I'll give a little spoiler. It was all positive. Of course it is. And, and and just to follow up on from the episode we did with Becky, it's an incredibly exciting time for the for the women's team. Um we always champion them, we always say go and support them because they're at the start of what could be a really exciting journey. Um there's a lot of ambition there. Uh so it's 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 great to see and yeah, um Becky and, and Steve are, are two massive, massive parts. Well, two massive parts to this podcast is Greenwood and Mulner. So without <laughs> any further ado with the Greenwood and Mulner podcast, it is the head of the Newcastle United Foundation, Steve Baharrell. Oh, well, welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulner show. It is with my co-host, as always, Sam Mulner. And today, Sam, we have got somebody from Newcastle United Foundation which people will look at and go, well, what is Newcastle Foundation? Well, we've got the perfect man for this next half hour to an hour, depending on how we get on. It's Steve Bahal. Steve, how are you? Very well, yeah. Thanks for the invite. No, not a problem. So, uh, Sam, Newcastle Foundation is just as important, just as, just as important as Newcastle United Football Club. You've, yeah, it is. I mean, you've, you've gone for a very understated intro. It's not just anyone from the foundation. <laughs> it's the top dog. It's the main man. <laughs> From the foundation, it's um, it's great to have Steve on with us. Um, yeah, absolutely superb. Um, how long have you been head of the foundation now, Steve? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I, there was a, there was a bit of a movement in the in would have been about eighteen months ago when Kate Bradley, who's head of foundation, moved across to become head of business at Newcastle United, um, which happened pretty quickly. And Kate moved across on a secondment initially until February. But yeah, we're now 2020. Um, and then that then Kate became permanent over then. So I sort of picked this up. Um, I picked this up in June uh 2019 and then accepted it full time pre-COVID, which was um which was excellent timing. But um my role just this is the new normal, like COVID is the world that I operate in. But I'd been I've been at the foundation since September um 2016. Um I came in to help grow the business in terms of um, a few things. Really, there was always a really ambitious foundation with um, lots of ambitious plans for the community. So I came in in September 16 to help Kate to take a bit of the weight off her, particularly around um, being safe, um, making sure all programmes were quality, and then growing parts of the business that needed to grow for us to achieve what we need to achieve. I know we're going to talk about some of those things. But, yeah, so I suppose the foundation for that length of time. But my relationship with the club started in 1991. So in a, a failed um, YDS trial with Colin Suggett when Ozzy Ardiles was manager. So I didn't quite make it as a player. 
but um, but my little brother did. So he, you know, came through the first team, made six games, which um, was the like probably the. Although I've been in the club since since that length of time, that was probably the, my proudest moment, most terrifying as well when he made his debut, and it, like his game against Middlesbrough at home was absolutely terrifying. I'll tell you a quick story. So remember Hamilton Rickard? Centre yeah. forward for Middlesbrough. So Dave's mistimed a header on the halfway line, like totally missed it, like unopposed almost. And the balls uh, bounced. By the time Hamilton Rickard's got out of the centre circle, Dave's landed. But Dave was nothing if he wasn't quick, right? And he's caught him up by the edge of the six-yard box and tackled him and then turned at the east stand where I was. And it looked like he was just going to start crying. And I just sat there with some pure, pure terror. He just, just managed to recover. But you know what? Like, the fans were just amazing. Like, amazing. They were just cheering him. And it was, like, the best and worst experience ever. So, kind of, I, I tried to be a footballer. He became a footballer. But then um, I started coaching at the academy in '99 when Alan Irvin was there when they used to train out at Benwell and, um, in the olden days. So Paul Dummett would have been an under nine playing under 10 football then. Um, Mark Gillespie would have been in that team. So the lads have come through. But um, so I've, I've been there since that time. Like in, in a, and that was always my career coaching professionally. And then just I got the opportunity in September. It was probably February 16 and Kate said, look, I think there's like a rule here at the foundation. And there was a choice, choice there to do, do like the academy stuff full time and pursue that or come across the foundation. And, you know, like I'm I'm just like you lads. I, I love the area. I love the tune. I love the community and the stuff. Like I didn't know what the foundation did. I just thought they did some football courses. But what 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 managed to happen and what we're doing now in terms of the number of people employing the type of interventions, just like it was a no-brainer if you want to really help young people fall in love with the club, fall in love with the area, then they would do that every day with the foundation with like loads of just inspirational role models. So I kind of just went, all oh, right, I'm not doing football anymore. I'm going to go and sit behind a desk and try and help people. So I suppose that, that was it. But I suppose the, the, the family relationship goes back to like, 91 like that you know have been part of the club and whereas I suppose your view is that you're have always been fans of the club like we never grew up in a football family just never had football shirts we never we just kind of felt it me and my brother so we've always like it's been our job almost so and he moved away and then just fell massively in love with the club like went the same for Oldham and just became like the biggest fan like when you move away so I suppose that's my history with the club. Like I've, I've just been seem like I've been here forever. Um, but yeah, in terms of the foundation, got really ambitious plans, and you know we'll, t- we'll probably touch on some of that later. Yeah, of course we will. The ambitious plans that me and Sam have already seen little bits about um, are fascinating to say the least. But which we'll we'll, we'll digest a little bit later. Yeah. But um, I think Steve, I think the first thing is is that a lot of people want to know what the foundation actually do now and know. You could be here for two hours and tell them what the foundation do on a daily basis. But in a nutshell, what is the ultimate goal of Newcastle United Foundation for the short term and possibly the long term as well? Well, our ambition, our vision is to, is to unite the community, which is um, a vision, a proper vision. It, you know, we should never be able to achieve it, but that's what we'll keep driving towards. We we all know that like football. It has an un- like an extraordinary power in our region to motivate, inspire, and 
and connect. So we work with you know children, adults, um, all different members of our community to just help them on their journey to help them reach their potential. And we do we do that with sixty five thousand times a year. Like generally, that's we do that. That that and it mostly like the short the short term stuff is um, deploy people in the community, good people to help people. That's it. Like or the way we recruit is ninety five percent around uh, values and personality. Because we're product, we're not Nissan, we don't make a car. We're product is the ability to connect and engage with someone and do that in a way that doesn't have a massive ego because um, that can happen with, with the badge. Um, so the short term is to get out and help people. And the medium, the medium term is to, we want to, you know, we want to move into a new home. And longer term, really, you know, we wouldn't, the foundation wouldn't be here if the club didn't want it to be here with the club's charity. And we'll have a different aim. The, the, the club is about getting three points fundamentally in performance and we're not we're about opportunities for everybody regardless of their age ability um ethnicity beliefs experience if you're in our community they want to work with you so you know if we if we get all of that right then eventually the club will get some credit for doing something good in the community which is beyond the result on a saturday or a sunday but they never set up with that intention they set it up because they want to do good stuff in the community so yeah, it's about getting good people on the grounds, making connections, inspiring, mentoring, coaching. But really, you know, we've been here 13 years now. The next 13 years are, are really exciting in terms of what we think we can do to support our community. Obviously, with COVID, everything's changed and lots of things have um, shut down for months on end. The foundation hasn't. Um, what kind of challenges have you faced and how have you been helping the community during the two lockdowns? Oh, it's well, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think we, yeah, we never stopped, and you know, the club, the club never stopped either. They, they used the furlough scheme, but you know, so did we. That was, it was, that's the way you survive as a business and you protect jobs. But like, we kept a skeleton service. You know, got a workforce of 175, and 22 is just kind of ploughed through through the the uncertainty of of COVID. But in it. I know we spoke about, I spoke to you guys last week, COVID has been, in some ways, we've locked in some of the good bits, and the good bits are that people get what our charity does. You know, more and more people realise that we're not just here to put on soccer weeks. Um, that's, not, that's not necessarily what we do. So it was started originally by, you know, we've got, what, we're really well connected in terms of local authorities and key stakeholders and business leaders. Um, and we respond, the initial response was to try and help keep schools open. That sounds ages ago now, wasn't it? When schools were closed, so we just we deployed our staff to try and keep schools open a bit longer. And then quickly, like this thing was real, wasn't it? Um, and we made a commitment then to support schools around those um, key workers, children. So we continued in that capacity. And then we spent loads of time reacting, like reacting to community need, whether that was uh, buddy calls, whether that was um, walks whether that was delivering food parcels we made. I think we played a really, we've never been the answer, we're not trying to be, but we've been the solution, we've been part of the solution in a number of ways and access to food has been a, an area that we, when we're doing our business plan and we thought we should, it's something we should be involved in, but didn't, weren't sure, we're not going to fix it, we weren't sure how to do it. And you look at the great work Bill and Steve and them are doing over at the food bank, Newcastle United Food Bank, the West End Food Bank. You know, so we stepped into that free school meal places for um, 75% of our workers in schools. 
and the schools have the insight in terms of need and vulnerability. So we did a lot of our work was directed towards supporting schools around vulnerable learners, getting boots on the grounds, creating activity packs, um, phone calls, but then also like we're grant funded by a number of amazing partners. Um, and it was about trying to repurpose some of that funding and say, actually, can we deliver some of those outcomes in a different way? Walking football is a really good example. So we've got some amazing guys at walking football, about 290 guys who turn up. Got to be over 40, got really over 50. Um, and the outcomes of that funding is help men over that, at that age to be less isolated, and more active. But the like the guys who are in our health health and wellbeing department, the guys who are in our big game changer programs, have got such a connection with those guys that we just they just flipped it and said, well, actually, let's go for a walk, let's go to the rising sun, and we can do that socially distance, and we can still talk about football, and we still have a bit of crack, and you'll be less isolated. Now, what those participants never signed up for a program to be less isolated, but what's actually happened is, like, they've got a community that's supporting each other, doing all of the involuntary stuff where it's like, someone just get your milk or put your bin out or check in on you. Like that stuff is planned for in a way, but they just come because they're in love with the club and I'm playing football for 25 years and now they play four times a week. And I tell you now, walking football is as competitive as 11 to football <laughs> because no one quite work out if you're walking or you're running. So it gets really competitive. But um, like our oldest participant like was 95 on that programme and our youngest participant is right. four. So it's an idea of like the, the scale of what we do. But yeah, so we had to really look at how we can work with our funders to still deliver during that period and we've been able to do that so yeah loads of loads of interventions but i think more and more people know that we're not here to just deliver football programs we're in health you know we're in education we're getting people into jobs we're now in traineeships apprenticeships um and we're doing that we try to do that where it's needed most you know it'd be easy for us to go to do employability work where people are close to the job jobs market, but that's not us. That's not where our charity's best served. It's worth people who are in, in desperate need of some additional additional support. So yeah, COVID has been chaotic for everybody, but um and like the culture that the staff have developed, like they're amazing. Like honestly, they're like amazing people. Like you, like it's like ninety five percent of the Toon fans who just love the club and want to support each other, like the food bank. Like the staff are like that. And I think they missed each other. Honestly, I think they missed each other and be able to just check in with each other. But um, we feel like we're coming through it now. We're sort of 85% of our delivery is back up and running. It's just the stuff that's attached to a match day. It, like, who knows when that stuff's coming back. But um, I feel like we've, we're through the worst. So onward and upward. Of course. And you talk about the, the Newcastle fans, the people. That's this is what makes the foundation, Stephen. Obviously, we, we know that Newcastle fans TV have a good relationship with yourselves in regards to be a game changer in particular. Yeah. And yeah. one thing that I want to talk about in particular is obviously that something that's happened this week as we're, as we're recording about a young man called Martin. Yeah. Now, I'm sure you would have saw it online. Yeah. Um, had a very difficult, we're just assuming, very difficult day, difficult mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. But the Northeast people, Steve, all rallied in particular. Yeah. And it helped so much that by the end of that Monday evening, we all knew that Martin had been found and had been spoken to to the correct people. Yeah. Now, I think that's very significant when you look at the Northeast people in general, Steve. And I think be a game changer in particular, and mental and all with it in regards to the mental health aspect of things. 
has massively helped the Northeast mm-hmm. people in particular, especially mm-hmm. with the fact that in terms of jobs as well, you know, we don't have a lot of our unemployment rates are quite high at the best of times. So just little things like that in regards to helping other people, I think has helped so much. What, what were your views on that particular incident and has yeah. there been other incidents in regards to helping people in different ways? Yeah, I'm pleased you brought up. Johnny, I think, you know, it's to- it's topical because it's it's one of us, isn't it? That's that's how that all that whole social um all the social grabbed a hold of that that case from like something to something really significant. And I think, you know, the statistics are damning, but the statistics are why we've got that programme. And that programme really be a game changer is if you had to explain it, is around promoting positive mental health and reducing stigmas. And the club's role in that is one around communication. Um, so the statistics are horrific in our region. They're worse than anybody else in terms of men like my age, over 40. You know, and Martin is probably a case where our campaign is if you're in crisis, you need to speak to professional people. Like we're not, we're not those professional people. Our role is that we're trying to fa- support the other three to look out for the fourth. And, you know, all of our campaigns and materials have been targeted at. Um, like, we're all committed to talking and loving the tune and talking about it. So can we just do one other thing when we're doing it? Like, it's not, you know, and giving each other permission to check in on each other and do that consistently. And, like, our, we have got the best club in the world. We've got the best community in the world who just really care. Working class, one club city, in it together, through thick and thin. And um, the big game changer campaign has reached over 2 million people so far that you know Premier League NHS charities are looking at it in terms of scaling it which we're speaking to Southampton we're speaking to Fulham um, in terms of a campaign so it's, it's a delicate area to get into when you start talking about mental health but the narrative has always been the same I think the, the, the statistic for, for us is if you look at our stadium like that one in four is the whole East Stand that's a whole East Stand where the most um the biggest risk to them is themselves. It's not anything else, like one in four men, the fourth man. The biggest risk is you. And, you know, I know you've had Josh on this programme before, Josh Banyard, who's like, the yeah. Game Change has started as a camp- as a programme, turned into a campaign, and now it's a movement. People like Josh, Les, who've picked it up and are using that as giving themselves permission to check in with each other. So, you know, it's not going away. But um, our role in that was sitting down with the club and both of us agreeing that, the club had a role to be able to communicate a message. So in terms of Martin, like I'll be terrified if someone in crisis called the rece- our reception, because that's not us. All, what we're about is promote positive health in these sort of conversations where it just becomes part of the narrative. And if you're a Geordie, you look at that East Stand and think, actually, that could be any one of us in that East Stand. But it was amazing the way everyone sort of rided around. The club jumped on it. Like there was, and it, like if you read the, the, the replies the club was getting, they don't often get a lot of good press, but it's a bit where the fans could connect in like a really honest way in terms of the intent, which was trying to look after one of one of our own. And, the, you know, he did, everything did turn out all right, but like that was just that commonality of the badge, the commonality of football and Cast United, that everyone just could be anyone, couldn't it? Everyone just jumped on it. So I, Johnny, I thought it was amazing. Um, but yeah, our role is to, champion the champion the message and to try and 
and and then you know if you are i think if you're if you're a crisis if you need to phone professionals but actually if you just want to be more physically active you want to come meet people or play football get a job get a qualification you can do that with us and a lot of people come to us because they're like just interested and curious and then we like kind of flip that into positive outcomes around jobs and, uh, and qualifications and everything else so you know i think part of me doing this is to try and explain to people that there's like 51 50 other programs like be a game changer and people can just access them don't they don't all cost you something from the funding we just want to do the work with the community Fantastic. it reminds me of looking at where um mental health awareness is now um, a couple of weeks ago, me and Johnny had Gabriel Clark on the show who made the film about the England cricket team, uh, The Edge. And 2010, which, you know, it's only 10 years ago where mental health was hardly ever spoken about and you had players inside that England cricket team dressing room that were just completely collapsing in, inside. Yeah. And yet, obviously, there's still a lot of work to do, but we've come a long way, haven't we, Steve? We have, we have, but I think it's like I was listening to Steve Holmson do something on Talksport, and he was talking about one of his colleagues said, like, it's just like, like it's the best thing in the world when you don't know it really, and I think it's it's a real thing. But I suppose in the past, I think I was in a I was in a meeting yesterday, and we were talk, It started with a wellness check, like right, this is the legacy of COVID. Like on a scale of one to ten, what are you? Someone said three, and it just changed the tone. It changed like that meeting into like actually a bit of support for someone. Because COVID is like, no one gets top trumped. We're all in it. We're all dealing with it. Like, but it's given people permission to check in with each other around actually where you're at the day before we have a conversation. And people go, I'm a seven goal, great, because I'm a two the day. Like, and like that level of understanding and um, supporting people around their mental health and just having a conversation with them. And I think it goes a long way. So we don't have to be experts, do it. We just have to be aware that it is a thing. It's not going to go anywhere. But then, you can, you can help yourself. You can help yourself in terms of like looking after yourself in terms of what you eat, sleep, drink. But we're not here to preach to people. We're just here to try and help people on their journey. 100% agree. And, you know, everyone has different journeys. And we've we've talked about previously about the importance of ex-professionals, like sort of Steve Harmison, uh, Steve Harmison, I was going to say that, Steve Harper rather. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they'll both be happy that they've been uh, called the other one by myself. Um, Sean Ramiovi, again, uh, another fantastic um, player for Newcastle over the years. How important is, is it, Steve, to have the support of ex-players, current mm -hmm. players, and potentially the future players coming through the academy? Because if they all understand what the foundation does, yeah. it can only really benefit the foundation going forward. Yeah. There's a few things, really. One is, I mean, originally, the, the old... When, when, when you're new at anything you want to get somebody who can shine a light on your project and the, like the players do that. So be a game changer. The game of action we had recently was about being able to magnify the, the, the campaign and, and get some attention. So people like Steve Harper, like he's one of our trustees, like start out because the foundation ran his testimonial, which like he then gave all the money away, which is like Steve, you know, I mean, like think about being charitable, like, just gave it all away to charities and, and gave some to us for running it. Um, Shola has always been a patron, but he's become a he's become a trustee now, and he's become a trustee largely because he, if you ever get a chance to read to read the article he did in the Times a couple of months ago, it was about um, it was on the back of Black Lives Matter and how you know he's got young kids and um, he doesn't think the world has changed a lot. He's having the same conversations with his kids as his mum and dad had with him. So, so Joel has now took the responsibility to be on our board and be that person for inclusion, equality, diversity, and inclusion, and like 
make sure that his lens is that you'll challenge and support me on all the decisions we make in terms of inclusion. So great. Bob Monker is a patron for Be A Game Changer. So Bob's, um, you know, he's our, our captain that won something, isn't he? So like he's forever on Bob. But he's like a great guy as well. So you've got Bob. We then, in terms of the other, like the founded, the club launched the former Players Association about two or three years ago, which we are responsible for um, for coordinating. And you'll have noticed the stuff around the ground now and sort of recognising former players. So, you know, they are invited to all of our events and all of our support. So, you know, regardless of someone like our Dave's played six games or Shira's played a million, like the club, there's still a role there at the club for people to be remembered. I think that's really, really significant and important in terms of where footballers end up. And then I met with uh, Ben Dawson, God, about 80 months ago um, to talk about what this entitlement should be for uh, players coming through the system at Newcastle. So you've got like the scholars who are who are involved in our Premier League inspired programs. So take the back their own schools, helping young people with education. They got the twenty threes. We've probably got the most time. Um, and you know, my time at the academy, I've worked with Matty, I've worked with Sean Longstaff, I've worked with Kel. So they're just like kids that we've known forever. But actually, what we want is we want the local players to be connected to our program. Because they're easy to they're, they're easy to they understand the mission and they love the place. So you don't need all our programs. You just need to love the place and have some stories about the place. And then let, like a little Sam or a little Johnny can go. But you like the growth mindset. I think where you <laughs> and you went to school and you did did that. So you know there's a there's a plan for how the players engage and the club are always great in terms of that. We're just trying to work out. Um, how we do more. I had a really long chat with Mark Gillespie. So, like, people won't know, but like, Mark Gillespie was delivering food parcels with us when he was playing for Motherwell in April. Mark will not tell you that story. So, Mark phoned me because he was furloughed from Motherwell. Said, I'm like, I've seen you doing the parcels. Can I come and help? When, yeah, we we're trying to get dummy. But at that time, the, the club were locking down all the players. Wait, they must have different rules in Motherwell because he's <laughs> living in a flat with with his with his partner. So, um, but he was out. He was out in April delivering free. The we had thirteen thirteen hundred food parcels to free school meals. The families who couldn't get out, and Mark was one of them. So that's just it's like that's the the sort of kid, the, the local lad that we want to work with because it's their community and they can really give something back. Like. Alan St. Maximum was like he's, he's attached to the food banks because he, he lived on food banks, you know, when he was growing up. So it's just trying to connect the team back to that. Steve Bruce came out when we launched our uh, Premier League Kicks Disability Session to Water Activity Dome. I did a bit then on NUTV and, you know, it's like the first time we've had somebody like us in the club. You know, he could tell you anecdotally about he used to train at Water Activity Dome and he lived down the road at Daisy Hill. And, you know, he was absolutely brilliant for us. And that some of the kids were actually having a go at him because he was the son of the manager and that. He just took <laughs> it really well, you know. So I think there's something to be said about, like, local people supporting local people. And when we look at the way we try and be representative of the communities we serve, but it's it's difficult. You can't always be. But um, So the players have been great. The club are fantastic support. But we want to do more. And it's just difficult at the minute because... They're getting wrapped up in cotton wool, but there's a plan to do more. Speaking of players, and in particular local players, um, one of the key 
start to the foundation that they they help is the women's team. Yeah. Um, when we had Becky Langley, the uh, the women's manager, on the show uh, a couple of months ago now, she name checked you as, as uh, playing such a key yeah. part, a key role in in the women's team. So, um, was it your idea to kind of? develop the women's team and form that relationship with the university or um did you did you see it as a kind of opportunity to that was maybe an area that was being a little bit neglected that just had so much potential and looking at that team now there's, there's lots of potential there and in particular the, the manager yeah oh no becky's a star i think um no i think the reason we've got the club is because the what the club wanted us to have the club the women's team so yeah. the best way to say it suppose there was a lot of support when Wonga became the shirt sponsor that they wanted to do something on the women's team. And the women's team at that point was run by a group of volunteers. And I think um, like the foundation is part of the club's family. We're not the, we're not the club. We look like the club. We do all the work on behalf of the club, but we're a charity. The women's team is the same. It's part of the family. And I think in 2017, there was probably a bit of a feeling from the club that weren't quite sure what they want to do with it yet, but then we needed it to be safe, we needed to be quality. So we we took it over, and I suppose the risk at that point was it didn't quite meet our charitable aims because you have to be a woman, you have to be elite, which isn't like what our charity is about. So we set up a separate trading company to put the women's team in. Um, and I think it was, it was a few things, basically. It then became one of our programmes, so it had all of the policy procedures, safeguarding, and it had to have a plan. Um, and what we've managed to do is to look at um, a few things, really. What was um, to, 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 to become part of the foundation so we could give it all of the support that it, that it needed. Um, the other was that we need to set up a company. The third is we're looking at where building it, giving it a new home. So the foundation owns a, a plot of land over in Leamington, the Leamington Football Centre, which the club maintain. It's a fabulous community facility. We developed some strategic partners. So the club, first and foremost, in terms of supporting us um, with everything we need to do and helping us to finance it. The city council, in terms of the facilities, uh, Northumbria University, which includes um, Becky Langley, who's the head of women's football. So for people who don't know, Northumbria was the best performing women's university for football in the country and has been for five or six years so all the talent goes to that university and in 2016 they were working with Sunderland so you know Sunderland were in our area getting support from Northumbria so long story short that doesn't happen anymore but they do work with us now and I think we we did the club supported us to negotiate a deal with them where they they could use the club's brand to recruit from China and get some other assets but in return, we would get strength and conditioning. Becky Langley, who's a star, physiotherapy, performance analysis, um, and everything else. So that's been important because they've got they've just got this tight talent pipeline of the best players in the country coming to Northumbria, and we're now trying to convert them into Newcastle United women players. So you've got that pipeline just coming through. So this gives us that, that opportunity. Arnold Clark have been amazing. So, you know, in 2016, girls would just get in their cars and drive all over the world and then play and have to pay for their subs. No one ever, no one ever has, no one pays when they play for Newcastle United women, which is unique in, in the game. They're, they're supported in terms of uh, their transport, 
this season was the first season the women have been part of the marketing campaign as part of the kit launch. So, you know, some small but significant significant steps. The, there's sort of like, I think, 100 new followers per month on Twitter. The attendance, average gate attendance is up 131% over the past two years. And then we just had to work out what we were doing. So 1718 was about protecting the brand, first and foremost, really. And the safest thing for the club to do would be to say there's no women's team. That would have been the safest thing to do, but it wasn't the right thing to do. So we we got on board then. 1819 was about trying to create a sustainable future, which was where we need to look at these partners who could help us. And then 1920 was delivery of those partners. And then the, the latest one to come on the season is Vitality, which came from the club. So never before would the club have spoken their commercial partners about the women's team, and that's just part of the narrative now. So Vitality are, are a, a, a short sponsor. And then the, the the plan for next year is the relocation and development of the Lemon site. And then we're gonna we're gonna start we will start with some junior teams, junior Newcastle United women girls team. So you know, your daughter as my daughter, if they want to put on a black and white shirt, they can do in the same way as they can for the lads. So I think there's and then our our, our report or after report all this back to the to the club senior management team on a quarterly basis, you know, because they they are the people who you know, as long as I can increase income and reduce expenditure, they're the guys who are writing the check. Newcastle United, they're making sure that 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 that, uh, that the women's team can operate. Um, whilst I get a chance to build a business case for it, so it can stand on its own two feet, and then at some point it'll get where it needs to be. But the ambition is to to get promoted in the fourth tier now. You know, there's every chance they can get promoted um, this year. I've got a FA Cup game against Barnsley, which is behind closed doors on Sunday, but. Um, We'll see where we'll get this year. I think all everything's in place now for that to really to really kick on and for us to, you know, start to become the best team in the northeast. And that's the that's the plan initially. Well, I think that has to be the priority as well, isn't it? If you've got to be number one in the northeast, if if every other team's doing it in the northeast, then the women's team will not be that far behind. But it's good that they're the goals that you want to try and make with the women's team. And you know, we can't say more. In regards to the women's team, Sam, can we? Because we've had oh, Becky on, we've, yeah. we've we've had four members of the channel that were flying the flag for women's football and yeah. in, in the northeast and for Newcastle in particular. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just such an exciting time for that team. Um, Becky's expecting promotion from, from when she was speaking to me and you, Johnny. She, yeah. she she's a natural born winner. She she wants promotion and she wants a cup run. She wants it all, and yeah. she wants England one day as well when she's finished yeah. it. So yeah, it's it's an incredibly exciting time for the women's team, and um, when we're allowed to go and watch again, I, I urge everyone watching and listening to. to... I think it's a different it's a different experience. We all love the club, and that's just supporting the club, but it has a different feel. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that partnership with Northumbria allowed us to sit at the table and recruit, and you know, we're convinced and take much convincing because we had Northumbria at the table. That she would relocate and come up here, and then absolutely smash it for for the women's team. But everything, everything is there for that team to kick on. You know, it's sustainable. It's got a plan. It's got good partners. It doesn't take much for that to really kick on now. So I think you know, and like I say, there was the nearly nearly wasn't here in sixteen seventeen. You know, that was that was that was where. It was in terms of how where it was and the support it had, but now it's got a real chance. But yeah, Becky's a Becky's a star. She's really good, amazing person. She'll be watching this as well, so I'm sure she'll be glad that you've been saying all these nice things. As well. 
She's not right. She hasn't got position, so we'll see. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Um, no, Steve, in all seriousness, let's talk about the redevelopment yeah. program that yeah. you want to try and basically achieve at Newcastle. We talked last week when we spoke mm-hmm. to you about the Manchester City model. When you look at mm-hmm. around the Etihad Stadium, everything's there for you know any footballer that wants to achieve something at Manchester City. And it seems now that Newcastle are doing its own little baby step of doing something similar, as you can see on the screen now, of this sort of project that you're trying to produce, which if you if you don't recognise the surrounding areas, is literally, as you described it last week, Steve, a goal kick away from St. Yeah. James's Park. Can you let our listeners and people that are watching uh, on YouTube, what is this idea that you're trying to implement? So we've got it now. We've got we've got planning. We've raised the cash. We've ourselves and Newcastle United have sort of pursued every avenue to raise the funds to to build this. And it's probably four years in the making, really. I think Kate Bradley started this in terms of all the services that I mentioned at the beginning like, aren't really accessible in a corporate environment like St James's Park. So we need somewhere that people can sort of access off the street. You know, seven days a week from early in the morning or late at night. So it is a goal it's a goal kick away from James's Park if you're Steve Harper. If it's <laughs> it's probably two goal kicks. It's up behind the Earl of Pitt Street on the back of the Helix development. Um so it's it's um it's a historic pro- project for us and it's hugely significant in terms of us having a home of our own. Um it's we talk about about transforming lives and giving it that community and our community um a new lease of life. So it's in the bottom of Arthur's Hill in an area that probably needs a bit of redevelopment. Um, but yeah, it's it's been, it seems like it's been a long time making, but it's exciting now. The, the, the bulldoze in what was Murray House. So it's on the site of Murray House. And Murray House was built, I think, at the start of the demise of the shipyards. You know, like our communities were built for coal mining and shipyards. And when those communities started to disappear, it's got a, had a caveat on the land around um, education and physical activity, mostly for young men. So it had it had been condemned for sort of twelve months when we managed to um, get that transferred across the foundation. But yeah, uh, Robertsons are in there now. They're, they're, they're starting the demolition. We're doing the work by early January. It'll be flat, and then we'll start to build um, our new home, which will be um, a state of the art hub for sport, learning, well-being, and you know our award-winning team will be at the heart of that. And it'll be somewhere on a match day that we hope will come alive with supporters um, and where people can just start to um, engage with our programme. So we're trying to help help local people make um, small steps to big changes, basically. But I think it's it's significant because, you know, 13 years old, we'll be here in the next 13 years. But... um, one of the big projects to be delivered out there is, is our employability programme. So we're going to have sort of virtual reality, augmented reality, STEM rooms, you know, real, really work with North Town Combined Authority around the future growth areas of the Northeast. So the talent doesn't need, necessarily need to leave the, the region. Do lots of exciting stuff around digital. So we'll launch, hot off the press this, lads, we'll launch an esports qualification from there from next September. So, nice. yeah, so we'll hopefully be first to market with that. But really exciting. And then, uh, pit, the pitch on the roof, so you know somewhere where people can come and play. You'll be able to see St James's Park from up there. Um, classrooms, sports hall. There'll be sort of health and well-being, spinning classes, and whatever else. But um, 
yeah it's really it's really exciting so we we the plan is to move in depending on the build between january and march 22 but it'll be finished next year and then we'll start fitting it out so yeah it's it's hugely exciting but um it, we need it we need it it's the next step in our, in our history I remember seeing the launch online, um, the building, and um, what'll stick in what sticks in mind, and what'll stick in many other people that saw the launch uh, in their minds was um, Alan St. Maximin's reaction yeah. to the uh, to the building. It was like, yeah. oh, I love this! It's brilliant, and it just goes to show just how sp- uh, exciting and inspiring this this development is, and. I'm sure Alan will be down there to uh, support the building. Well, the players will all be committed to it, but I think it's um, it's just really significant. So we work in 233 schools a year. We're delivering over a thousand hours of activity a week, 50 weeks of the year, and there's 175 people doing it. And I think you know we need, and some of that is we work really hard to like generate the money, and then like a, like a good percentage of it goes out. So we need to be able to look after ourselves. It's risky in terms of what we're doing. I've run a building before, but there's more and more. There's sort of 92 community club organisations like ours around the country. We're not the first. You know, we've got really good partnerships with people at Everton and Man City and Burnley have got a, a brilliant facility in Norwich. So the, the community is our community of, uh, of trust and foundation. We deliver kind of similar programmes, but are very supportive because we're not like encroaching on each other's territory if you like so we'll get lots of help from them from the Premier League Charitable Fund have been amazing but um, the lo- then local business North of Tyne the LEP Helen McCardle we've got like must be 100 people who are supporting us to do this but it's nothing if the fans don't engage with it so you know, we want it to be something that people can walk in off the street have a conversation about big game changer access some football walk and football provision you know work out what they can do and we've definitely worked out you know that um, and the same way you guys do this, because you get something out of it, you love the club, you love that sense of identity. Like anyone can have that through our programs. They can come and like peep behind the curtain at the club and get a qualification. And um, and our guys are our guys are amazing. But on top of that, you know, my ask is that you know, we fundraise every year, and you know we need people to run the Great North Road. We need people to come on our golf uh, sponsorships. Ninety two p and every pound that we raise goes back in the community. Which is significant, and uh, Ernest Young did a. I think I spoke to you last time. There was a social and economic impact of the club and the foundation in 1718, and our return investment was something like 25 million pound in that year alone in terms of getting people into jobs and keeping them out the GPs and um, qualifications and everything else. So every pound we get, we can turn into seven pound of impact across the community. So if anybody wants to run the Great North Run, we've got 40 places next year. If they want to do it, we'll raise. It was funny, yeah. me and Sam were talking about this, Steve, last yeah. time. And obviously, we both play a little bit of golf, but Sam hasn't played a lot of golf in the last few years. So I thought I'd do the golf. And Whoa, Sam would no, no, no. get himself a new pair of trainers and get himself down the ground. No, no, I'm on the control, I can mute your mic. <laughs> I was running on the coast, not me. I haven't done any running exercise since 1998. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I, I can do the golf. I, I've got a lower handicap than you, Johnny. Yeah. Well, I, think, I mean, the stuff like like Josh, Josh was like you know Josh. Josh was yeah. on uh, part of our big game changer program. Josh is somebody who's like just took that campaign and said like I'm going to champion it. Doesn't need permission to do it. He's a fan. 
do it. You know, like we're not policing it. If people need some support, resource, people can download resources for businesses. Like we do free workshops, all sorts. But then he just decided he's going to like walk and yomp a million miles or something and raise some money for like that is like so amazing. You know, people don't. And I'm sure Josh got quite a lot out of that in terms of feeling like he's given a bit back to a, 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 a program that's that's been useful to him. So you know, there's always, you know, I don't, I don't like asking for stuff without giving somebody something back. But like, if the fans want to do something, like come and do it. You know, the funding comes to us. We're a charity. All our accounts are on company's house. It's all transparent. But like, we have to raise that money every year. So the more money we can raise with the fans, the more good stuff we can do for the fans. So. Yeah, but what like when we get the building open, come down, have a look around, and then we'll get uh, Sam on the treadmill so he's ready for the Great North Run. Well, I'm glad you, <laughs> you nominated Sam. Um, <laughs> no, when that building is complete, though, Steve, yeah, we would love to come and have a little look around, see yeah. in, maybe in action what you guys do, because yeah. I think if we can get more press to show you, we can obviously do the. We've got the. the we're fortunate enough to do videos and. Mm-hmm. Um, put it across YouTube as well. I think it'd be fantastic because, especially that top pitch. I know, obviously, mm-hmm. there's so many initiatives that you've got planned to do there. But to have that view, if mm-hmm. you're saying scoring uh, a goal on the top pitch, and you can see St James in the background, it'll be a hell of a yeah. feeling, regardless of the ability, who you are, as you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I-, I can't wait for that to be put together. Just want people to just come and use the facilities. I think you know, like we had a long chat, didn't we? And I, I think I spoke for an hour about all the stuff that we do. And like, people just come and come and engage with work, come and see what the club does for you in the community. It's not like there's some there's a generally whatever your challenges, there's probably a solution we've got somewhere or or connect you to somebody. So, you know, I, th- I hope I hope the building allows us to reach up for more people to realise what we're doing. And the reality is, you know, the club will get some credit eventually for the stuff that we're trying to do on its behalf. Um, and at some point. Like we'll win on a Saturday and we'll feel really special through the week, or we might not win on a Saturday, but we'll still know the club cares about the community. You know, right. that's what I'm trying to get. That's what I'm trying to, you know, that's and going back to the Martin thing, that's what the Martin thing was, wasn't it? No one's doing that for any reason, doing it because they want to they want to care about it. And like we care about loads of stuff. So come and come and do some stuff with one. Of course. I think the, my final question, and I'll let Sam ask a final question as well. But my final question in regards to the foundation as a whole, Steve, is what is your ultimate achievement? You talked about the foundation and maybe their goals, but what would you consider a good job for yourself for, say, the next person who wants to come in? Is there something that you go, do you know what, if I can get this done, I can get this done, I can get this done, I'll be very happy with what I've done. Oh, we've still got to deliver the building yet, Johnny, so we're getting ahead of yourself a little bit. We've only just got a bullet <laughs> knock it down. But Sarah Medkoff, who's deputy head of foundation, is leading on all that, and she's like, you know, She'll she'll, be, she'll she'll get that over the line for us and for the board and everything else. I think you know that the the secret of the foundation really is the people. It's hundred percent the people are like the way I view it. Our our number one customer is our staff. It's the frontline staff, and, and my job is to give them all the resource and support they need to do an amazing job. To to feel empowered that all of the jobs they do links with this mission of the United Community. Because then what you end up having is like. Your number two customers are your best fans, and your number two customers are the people that we're working with. So anybody who's come across, you know, uh, Josh will talk about it's like the Josh podcast, and Josh will talk about Ashley and Ollie <laughs> and the Game Changer because they're amazing people. We've got like 173 of them like that, and I think that's that's the legacy. The legacy is just get 
good people in the building, no dickheads, and like just do some good stuff. We are we haven't got a product as people in connecting with people. So that's the thing I'm most proud of, and that's the thing we've got to protect going forward. And I think things like the building like inspires colleagues and staff to like keep on that journey. I mean, like, you know, we start eight in the morning, we finish 10 o'clock at night, and we do that Monday, Friday, over the weekends, 50 weeks a year. It's in like the work is challenging. We're not dealing, you know, we're dealing with people who are who have some real challenges. So I think that's the secret of, of what we do. Other than that, we've got to got to deliver this building, haven't we? So and I'm sure we will. I'm sure it'll be fine. Of course. Sam, any follow up to that? Uh, not a question because all I've had on my mind now is trying to work out how long I've got to train for the Great North Run in 2022. So, uh, no, I'm not. God, no, you've got no chance. <laughs> <laughs> 17 stone, forget it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll we'll see. Uh, yeah, maybe 2022 when it coincides with the uh, with the building launching. Yes. Uh, who knows. <laughs> we'll have to make sure we vlog that one. You have to try and get a like a mile by mile uh, update for you. If you can get a mile forward out panicking by with breathing, we'll see how you get on really. Uh Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on for the last well forty five minutes. So it's absolutely flown by and all we can say on behalf of Newcastle Fans TV is all the very best of luck. Continue the good work with improving people and that and that's the, probably the biggest thing we can get out of this. If you can improve or help one person. Mm-hmm. Then you might be able to get a big building out of it potentially and help even more people in the future. So, uh, Steve, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Take care, lads. We'll catch up with you soon. Fantastic. But for myself and Sam Mulner, we'll see you all very, very soon. A big thanks to Steve Baharrell for that fantastic interview and a great insight to the Newcastle United Foundation. The reason why we, we don't normally film outros, but there's a poignant message for this outro in particular, Sam with the very sad news of Martin Lorimer's passing, the gentleman that we spoke about um, in this episode of the Greenwood and Mulner show. And it was very, very tough to take last night. And it was just a reminder how close the Newcastle and the football family really are. Yeah, it's um, it's tough. It's difficult. It um, just makes what we were talking about a whole lot more poignant, relevant. And um, when these things hit, it hits hard. So it's 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 an absolute great shame that Martin's passed. Um, obviously, our thoughts go to his friends and family. But um, I spoke to Steve since um, we did the podcast. We recorded on the Wednesday. Martin passed on the Thursday, um, and we thought it was important to keep everything in that we spoke about because it just not helps deliver the message, but. We just don't want this happening again, do we? So it, it's important to. It might make a few extra people realise that, you know, this this is very real, very serious. And if we can help one person who is listening to this reach out and speak up, then that's one person saved, isn't it? Of course. And in the description of all the podcasts that we have it available, and um, there's obviously Spotify, Apple Podomatic, etc. Uh, the description will have the numbers of all the helplines that you can call if you need to. And be a game changer is very, very important, as Steve mentions, but they're not the primary phone call. It's somebody else that you need to speak to beforehand. But like Sam reiterates, um, you know, our thoughts in the agreement of all the show and everybody connected to Newcastle Fans TV goes to the family and friends of Martin. 
And we'd like to dedicate this episode to Martin Lorimer and his family at this very difficult time. So rest in peace, Martin.